guys, welcome back to the Final Shot Podcast. Today the podcast is brought to you by Buds and Leaves. So go over to www.budsandleaves.com, pick yourself up some CBD capsules, or get yourself a Buddha stick. It's a, it's a topical, it's kind of like a deodorant stick, but for pain. So if you're hurt, or you like to alleviate pain, or you want to be, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? I don't know. If you just want to feel better. Go over to www.budsandleaves.com and get yourself some stuff there. We're also brought to you by Smile Canada. It's another CBD company. This is spray, Smile Spray. It's super discreet. Uh, my guest today, I'm not going to introduce him yet, but he might remember back in the day when you used to get those uh, those breast sprays. You walk down the street, you think you're slick spraying breast spray in your mouth. With this stuff... The CBD spray, nobody knows. Nobody's going to know what the hell you're doing. So go over to Smile Canada and pick up some Smile Spray. We're also brought to you by Box Runner Shoes. They're the best shoes in boxing. They're lightweight, super durable. They got treads. You can do CrossFit in these things. I think I got gum on the bottom of mine. That's embarrassing. Look at that. But you can go outside and train in these things. They got the best ankle support in boxing. So go over to www.boxrunnershoes.com and pick yourself up a pair of Box Runners. Uh, who else will be brought to you today? Monster headphones. Go over to monsterstore.ca and pick yourself up a pair of monster headphones. And last but not least, we're brought to you by Onnit. So you guys go over to www.onnit.com. Go check out the Onnit Academy. And in the Onnit Academy, you're going to find the Onnit 6. The Onnit 6 is 30-minute at-home workouts that will help you get shredded. Now, if you go over and use these workouts and you're going to go to McDonald's every other day, it's probably not going to work. Just saying. But you can also go over to their supplements portion of the website and pick yourself up some uh, some Goat Whey Protein, some Alpha Brain, New Mood, Shroom Tech Sport, whatever you want. It's at Onnit. It's www.onnit.com. All right, we'll get to the, to, the, to the good part of the podcast now. Guys, we have a very special guest today. If you're on YouTube, you probably already know who it is. But uh, we've got the brand new Bellator featherweight champion of the world. So the, the kickboxing portion of Bellator, Gabriel Varga. Gabriel, how's it going? It's fantastic. You know, just back off that uh, that sort of post-fight high still, so so feeling good. This fight was, in my opinion, one of the most anticipated fights in kickboxing of all time. Yeah, I mean, it was um, definitely within North America. I mean, it's been a while since they've had, uh, I mean, maybe back when Joe Schilling fought uh, Simon Marcus, that was you know, two North Americans up against each other. And it always makes it more interesting when it's that uh, Canadian versus States dynamic. So that's what was happening with, uh, with Kevin and I, and, you know, people have been talking about it since he was a, a big name o- almost a decade ago. And, um, you know, I was pretty new on the scene then and it took a while to, to happen, but yeah, I finally did. Thanks to Bellator. Wow. They, they've been saying the Gabriel Varga, Kevin Ross matchup from the amateur days. Mm-hmm. As yeah, I've, known, sure have. I've known about you for a really long time since I lived in Victoria like a decade ago. And it was always Gabriel Varga this and Gabriel Varga that. But we never seen you because you're very secretive. <laughs> <laughs> Just off the, off the social media. And uh, yeah, yeah it was never unless you're at the gym with me, I guess. I think yeah. I seen you compete one time in Victoria at Summer Slugfest. Or was it your brother? 
No, that was that was me. We both did. Uh, yeah, you know, it was just one of one of those things that uh, through my career I didn't get a whole lot of opportunity to compete in Victoria, um, especially once I turned pro. Only only one time in my pro career, which which started in two thousand nine, have I ever fought back home. So yeah, yeah, it's uh, you know some people around town. I go to a gym and people see me hitting pads and they like, oh, I can hear them saying, "Who's that guy up there? He looks pretty good." And I'm like, oh. man, I don't even not even know it in my own home, hometown sometimes. Yeah, that guy you guys are seeing is one of the best kickboxers on the planet. So it's a pretty cool thing. But uh, you have a very different way of training as than I do for sure. Because you, I don't know if you really have a head coach. No, not really. Um, it's just a unique situation. You know, um, I had a head coach years and years ago and then um, – it just it wasn't really working out, and I decided to move on and and continue with my uh, my brother and all my buddies who were already training together. And I felt like I was getting the most out of that aspect of training, aside from also watching K1 fights. I, I swear I learned half of everything I know from just watching those top K1 fighters. And uh, yeah, at that point there was nobody in town that I really went. You know what? This person's going to help my game a whole lot. Um, you know, I have good training partners. I had my brother who'd been in my corner as an amateur fighter. And, uh, yeah, we just continued on that path. And even though I have lots of support, I haven't really had a proper head coach. Uh, you know, I have to make up my own training camps, decide what I'm going to do each day, decide what we're going to work on. Um, that's a little bit of, of my buddies and I deciding uh, based on footage we watch. But, yeah, it's, it's unique in the fact that I don't have anybody telling me what to do. And I have to sort of every day motivate myself and decide what's on the agenda. Now, normally, if somebody was going to tell me that they're going to train themselves and make up their own camps with their friends, I would say you're 100% ridiculous and crazy. Because yeah. like, most people need a coach and somebody to dictate what they're doing on a day-to-day -day basis and, and make up their schedule for them. You're the, in that little 1% group of people that can do it for yourself, which is really cool. Yeah, and there are other guys in the world, you know, you hear um, everybody goes, oh, you know, Manny Pacquiao coached by Freddie Roach. And I've read a number of interviews with uh, Freddie saying, you know, that Manny really does what he wants. Mm -hmm. The only thing that he has to do is a lot of times tell him, no, you're doing too much. And and then just like my brother would do, you know, Freddie would be there and sort of formulate a game plan and make sure that everything's on point. But I really, I think a lot of those fighters, if they can't motivate yourself uh, by the time you hit that top level, you, you're probably not going to get there. I mean, you have to have that self-motivation and I've actually found when I've gone to other gyms and trained uh, with, a, with a head coach who tells you what to do, uh, I leave at the end of the night thinking I didn't do enough. I'm like, oh, yeah. you know, uh, if I was if I were own workout tonight, I would have done 20-30% more on, on everything or I would have hit the pads harder or longer. So I think uh, being in the gym by myself and not having somebody tell me what to do has actually been beneficial for me. Uh I'm in a small town now. I've moved away from Alberta, and before that, I was in BC. So I'm out of. It's a very small town of fourteen thousand people or sixteen thousand people. We do have a boxing gym here, but the availability for sparring partners and people to do work with is is very limited. So it it's kind of fun where you can make things up to make it suck for yourself. Yes. <laughs> You, ha you have to be able to do that, right? I mean, even even in this last training camp, it doesn't happen that often. But I think I, I think I had every second week, you know, a session where just nobody could show up to hold for me, and and that doesn't happen that frequently in camps. I've been pretty lucky, but it did a few times here. And it was, what do you do? Do you just 
you know, like, oh, I'm going to write this session off and take a break. Like, no, I got to go to the gym and I got to, I got to work on the bag and it's going to be, you know, an hour and a half of bag workout, which I, I really don't like doing bag workouts. Uh, I think generally in a week I'll hit the bag nine rounds. That's, that's a whole week of, of work, like nine rounds of bag work. I, I don't like it. I'll, I'd rather clinch or spar or do pads or drill. I love drilling. Um, so I'm fortunate that I usually have somebody there to work one-on-one with me. That's most of my training is one-on-one, but yeah, I know a lot of guys say like, Oh, you know, this camp, I did something like a hundred rounds of bag work and I'm going, Oh man, I I hardly did any. (laughs) Um, So, you know, you just have to have those days where you get to the gym and and there's nobody there and you're, you're motivated. And if you're in a smaller town and, and you can do that for yourself, you don't have a training partner that day. That that's great. Oh man. If I could only get away with doing nine rounds of bag work in a week. I would love life. I hate the bag too, but like, we're t- I'm 10, 12 rounds a day on the bag. Yeah, it's, I just, I think it's just my whole training mentality, and it's been this way since I was, uh, basically said since I went out on my own. I was tired of doing the same routine all the time, and there's something to be said for that for sure. You know, perfect what the routine and get amazing at it, and and build your skill level. But for me, I figured like I'd done it enough, and I needed variety. And I think there's always that debate back and forward, you know, do you have a set routine in the gym or do you mix it up? But for myself, I need to mix everything up. I, I hate doing the same running routine the, the same time in one week. You know, if I went and did sprints at a certain location yesterday, I won't do it for a whole week. I don't want to see that field again. I don't want to do that same routine. So I have about 20 different routines around town so I can always jump from one to the other and I don't have to see the same spot and I don't have to run the same routine. Uh, and I like doing the same thing when I go to the gym as well. You know, I don't want to go and and do, you know, three rounds of skipping, three rounds of shadow, three rounds of bag work, three rounds of pads. And then the next day do that again. I, I need, I need change. I'm with you on that. I like to do something different every day, but yeah. there's certain things I, that I have to do every day. Running is one of them. And I'm in Saskatchewan now. So the terrain here is the same everywhere. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not getting any better. But uh, let's talk about the Kevin Ross fight a little bit because to me, this was a, a real interesting fight where I've known about you and I've talked to you before. For I've known about you for over a decade. Um, Kevin Ross, I've had. Ju- he's an amazing person. Mm-hmm. Such a great guy. Um, and an amazing fighter and you guys are the top like i'd like to say one and one in in the world um but i didn't know who to pull for in the fight because i'm like well gabriel's canadian and we're, <laughs> we're from the same place and we've we've had conversations before and then there's kevin who was guest of the year on the show i was like damn it well realistically i don't care who wins i just want to see a good fight just want to see a good fight well that was one aspect of the fight you know I was expecting to go in and have a hard fight. I was expecting, um, you know, a showcase fight, something that people could go on and be like, this is what kickboxing should be. Um, you know, a little bit of everything. Um, you know, he's a little bit different style than me, but really we both have a very clean style. And, and I like to be able to showcase what the sport should look like. And you don't get to see that, unfortunately, in, in a one-round fight. Like, he didn't get to show what he's capable of in that fight. Um, and it's just, it's just the, the nature of the game. Sometimes you get caught and, um, you know, yeah, he's, he's an amazing, amazing, uh, you know, representative for, for the sport. So, you know, if, it, if, if we can make it happen again in Bellator, I think that'd be great. Um, I haven't talked to him after to see, uh, what his plans are, but 
but I, I let uh, Bellator know that that I'm open to it for sure. I'd love to see a rematch because uh, what hap- what I was worried about happening happened because you throw really hard straight punches right down the pipe. Yeah, I mean, we definitely watched a lot of his fights and uh, formulated a plan that we thought would work. And and for the most part, you know, I didn't really get to implement too much of it because, again, it was really short. But I, I felt like after that minute mark, I was starting to settle in and the the game plan was paying off and... And I think it would have continued to, to go well for me if it would have gone longer. But, uh, yeah, you know, that was the one disappointment of that. You know, you, you go in and you're like, oh, you know, if I can put on a five-round amazing fight and it gets, you know, showcased around the world and people get drawn to the sport even more because of this fight. That, that's what I want. I want to help the sport. I want to help the weight class because it sometimes gets uh, a little bit neglected. Um, which is ironic over here, especially because you know, like Kevin is is one has has been the, sort of the face of of at least Muay Thai for the last decade in North America, and just yeah, sometimes that uh, featherweight class doesn't get noticed, even though there's some great fighters at that at that uh, at that weight. I like the I like watching the the lighter weight class. You guys are fast, and the, that's always exciting when because you guys don't stop throwing. No, I mean, it has to be a faster pace. The, the guys don't tire out as much, you know. The, the muscle tone is, is a lot less. It's just not as exhausting to throw punches and kicks. So, yeah, the output should be a lot faster. And, um, yeah, that's the reason that I like watching that weight class too. You know, the, the boxers at that weight are, are some of the most exciting in the world with, uh, you know, Pacquiao and Mayweather and that whole that whole boxing era for the last decade has been right around that weight class. And, uh you know, that's highlighted really well in uh, UFC with McGregor there for a while. It was, you know, well, what's happening in featherweight? But, yeah, for some reason, the kickboxing just never got that notoriety. So take me through the week leading up to the fight. Because with the, with the, I like the fact that we can watch Bellator on regular TV on the Paramount Network. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I like that yeah. there's there's kickboxing on the TV but we don't get to see much of the lead up to what's going on behind the scenes like the UFC does with these embedded things. Yeah, yeah, that, that would be nice to have those. I've never really got to be a part of those. Um, and even when I was with Glory, they didn't have anything happening then. So, yeah, it's too bad. Um, but like you said, everybody gets to watch it. Um, so, yeah, I did a few changes this time because I've, I've fought in Europe a number of times and just not felt on point. And uh, the big thing was, uh, was the time difference. So yeah, we left uh, a couple days early this time to deal with that time difference, uh, an actual whole week early. Uh, it was actually Raymond Daniels who told me when I was over there, being on a couple cards with him, and, and he's the champion up two weight classes above me, and he said, you got to come over two days to deal with this time difference. So we did it this time, get over, you get to adjust. Um, I didn't even see anybody from Bellator for the first two or three days I was there, um, nice and early. They were there, but I didn't have anything I needed to do. They're they're really nice about letting uh, letting the fighters get there and just you know just get in your groove and do what they what they need to do as opposed to this whole slew of requirements. We're just like, man, my whole day's booked up and I got to cut weight on top of that and try and relax. So for me, the first couple of days were just hanging out in the hotel room. My brother and I went on a couple of walks. Uh, you know, saw a little bit of uh, a little bit of Rome and. Um, aside from that, we didn't have anything to do until press conference day, went downtown, got to go to the, uh, the Italian parliament, um, went in there, you know, shot some pictures, answered a few questions. Um, and then, uh, aside from that, it was just basically, you know, do a photo shoot and cut weight. They, they, I really like how they, how they treat the fighters. Nothing crazy then. Nothing crazy. No. And I mean, everybody's different. Some people maybe thrive on that, but for me, I, I'm already hungry, uh, not grumpy, but I'm just feeling a little lethargic and, and I'm happy to just hang out in my hotel room and, 
and uh, watch some movies and, and, and just just basically let the body relax. You know, I have to go down for a couple of workouts, of course, but uh, they don't even have open workouts or anything that you're required to go to. So, um, yeah, for me, it's perfect. I just save everything for the fight. Bonus. Now, yeah. f- featherweight for kickboxing, what is the actual poundage of that? Uh, for um, – it depends which organization you're in, but for Bellator, it's the same as MMA. It's 145. Okay. So what was yeah. it in glory then? Glory was 143-ish, somewhere in there. It's, I think it's in kilos over there. It's 65, so I'm not sure what the exact thing was. But yeah, around 143. So when I went to Bellator, I went, oh, you know what? I get that extra two pounds, and it's not a, a terrible weight cut for me. You know, I'm cutting from 155, so most people would be like, oh, those extra two pounds don't matter, but I'm also 5'11", and I don't <laughs> yeah. have much to lose here at this weight. You know, I could easily probably pack on another 20 pounds and move up in weight, which is probably what most people would do, but... Um, I just, I can't eat that much food. Um, I've tried it just, uh, Oh, me. So oh, he's back. Two pounds is, is fine. It's nice. <laughs> so I did yeah. hear a, uh, I did, I read a thing online the other day that they were calling for a Gabriel Varga, John Wayne Parr fight. <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, I think some people don't quite realize that what he fights at now, he used to fight at 155, which even for me, I'm going, why would I move up and fight a guy who's 155 when I walk? literally every day of the year at 155 like i don't fluctuate um so even if that was the case i wouldn't fight him but i'm going no i, I talked to him uh, when i was in florence uh for the second last bellator card and he was going no i fight it. i think he said 160 or even 165 now he's yeah. uh he's getting a little older he's like i don't need to cut that weight anymore i just find guys who want to fight me at that weight class and uh yeah, I mean, it, it's cool to fight those those legends, those guys that I've known for a long time, which was one of the main attractions, again, about fighting Kevin. I've known about him since the beginning of my career. So fighting guys like John Wayne Parr it would be amazing, but but I'm not fighting John Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> Never going to happen. Heck no. <laughs> <laughs> to be like a 130 dude moving up to fight me. Is it why? Why would I do that? Yeah, he's a lot thicker. I don't know if he's much oh. taller than you, but... He... No, I probably have a a little bit of height on him actually but yeah yeah, you look at the difference in our arm and our leg size and just when you start grappling with a guy like that it makes all the difference in the world that extra 20 pounds so Mm -mm. especially with his his muay thai background it would be a that'd be a tall task oh yeah i'd watch it though oh i'm sure lots of people would love it i mean I've been asked since the very first time I won the glory title. People right away, you're going to move up? Are you going to fight John Wayne? Or, or Sorry, not John Wayne, uh, Giorgio Petrosian. And then when I came to Bellator, same thing. Are you going to fight Giorgio? I'm going, I, I don't understand this uh, constant fascination that everybody has. Even in the MMA, somebody wins a title, oh, you're going to move up. Yeah. It's like, yeah, the guy has a title. I know everybody's asking Khabib about that. I was watching something the other day, and they're asking him, like, oh, you're going to move up? You're going to move down? It's like, you know, the dude's at his weight. Just let him fight at his weight and don't ask these impossible things. That are, well, it's not impossible for everybody, but for most people, that's a tall task to move up and down. So. It's not unless you're cutting like that 20-pound mark. If yeah. You're, if you're cutting 20 pounds, you probably should move up because you're going to die. Yeah, well, if you're doing something ridiculous. But, yeah, I mean, if it's if a dude you're fighting at 145 and you're even coming from 160 – how, how in the world are you going to go up to somebody who's fighting at 155 who walks at like 175? It's especially in MMA yeah, or uh, kickboxing where size does play more of a factor. In boxing, you can get away with it because there's not that same uh, same muscle tone where you're pushing and you're grappling or you're on top of somebody. You, you know, Manny Pacquiao and Mayweather, they can do it against the big guys because there's not that same physical 
those attributes. Like even saw in uh, McGregor Mayweather, like you know McGregor sure didn't do great in it, but when he was grabbing Floyd and throwing him a couple times or moving him, you're like, wow, he's moving him, no problem. Yeah, just because that size advantage. He impressed me a little bit in that fight, just with his footwork and his ability to cut an angle on the guy, but. For a guy that's never competed in a professional boxing fight, my hat's off to you. For he's literally fought the best guy on the planet. Did better than I thought he would. I mean, <laughs> I for the first time in my life put money down on a fight, and I I put Floyd for KO or TKO, either one. Um, but I didn't think he'd last that long. No, no. Right. <laughs> Good I was, for him. I was surprised it went past three, but yeah. And I was picking McGregor to win anyway, just to be a dick. <laughs> 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 yeah. So for the folks that are listening to the show today, if you don't know who Gabriel Varga is, go on YouTube and just look at some of his fights. But you've literally won all the biggest prizes in your sport to this point. Yeah, the only one that has evaded me so far was uh the K one belt, which actually I started the beginning of my like sort of the, my big break was through K one. I, I signed a contract with them, supposed to be multiple fights, and it was just at that point where they uh where they were trying to build the promotion back up. They were trying to make it a big money thing, and they were paying decently well. And and then they took a bit of a break. I had a couple of fights fall through with them. And then I moved on because they, they, they cut my person by a third from my first fight to the, the second fight. They're like, yeah, you can keep fighting for us, but we're cutting it down by a bunch. So, of course, I, I moved on to somebody else who was going to pay a little bit better. So I've never gone back to them because they're at the same point. Like I would have to take a, a massive pay cut to go and win, a, try and win a K1 belt. And I'm going, okay, a K1 belt would be amazing. It's the only belt, the only thing that I haven't really achieved. But again, it, it comes with a massive pay cut. And even though that belt is important to me and, and I love K1, uh, it's not worth it. So everything else, yeah, I'm very happy with what I've accomplished aside from that. So for the folks that are watching on YouTube, you can see some of Gabriel's hardware behind him. He's got the Heroes Legends belt the Bellator kickboxing title, and you've also won the Glory title along with the ISKA belt and the WKA title, both of those on different many occasions. Yeah, I got uh, my two Glory belts and my um, tur Glory tournament thing over there, and then I don't know if you can see, and then up a little higher, I got my other uh, right couple pro world titles and then some off on that side. And um, yeah, my my my. It's just getting too much, too many belts uh, for, for the wall now. It's just I'm not complaining, of course, but I want more. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's been uh, it's been a, a great career so far, and um, you know I'm I'm 33 now, so I'm I'm not feeling like I'm slowing up anytime soon. But uh, I'm definitely at that point now where I'm like, you know what, I've accomplished most of the things that I've wanted to accomplish, and uh, yeah, now is is just about. Uh, defending this uh this belt and hopefully helping uh, bellator kickboxing promotion grow a little bit more and uh yeah i love fighting for them so i'm, I'm not anticipating a move anywhere else for uh, any time in the near future that's for sure has bellator given you your next assignment yet uh no they're you know their primary focus is their mma um part of their promotion so the kickboxing you know it's a little slower in between um you know i've talked with scott coker and a couple of the other guys and just quickly back and forth with my managers and just said, you know what, we just want to find out what our time frame is for the next fight, but I'm still waiting on, on word from that. And then once we know the time frame, hopefully I'll find out uh, an opponent. But, yeah, nothing nothing to report right now. Of all the people I've talked to that deal with Scott Coker, everybody just raves about this guy. He's 
they say he's the hands down the best promoter in combat sports. Is that is this true? Yeah, I mean, I I don't have too much contact with uh, with him aside from a, a thank you and uh, and then him thanking me after and um, a few other little chats here and there. But actually, at the event, talking with him, he seems like a great person. And I say it's like a trickle down effect almost. Maybe that's what I noticed more. Um, just when I first fought for Bellator, just being at the events, um, how structured they are, how happy everybody seems, how, how polite everybody is to, to at least me. I mean, I can't speak for all the fighters, but it just seems like it, uh, like it's a good promotion to fight for. And usually that's a trickle down effect, right? I mean, if the guy at the top's being a jerk to, to all the guys below him, then it just works its way down to the fighters. So yeah, I, I'm very happy with the promotion, and uh, you know, my my brother noticed it too. He's just like, oh, they just seem on point. You know, you know what's happening, when it's happening. Uh, everything's locked in. There's not like, oh, you need to be down for photo shoots at two, and then you go down and you're waiting for a couple hours for your turn. Just just everything's locked in nicely. And and as a fighter, especially when you're cutting weight and you're stressed, that that goes a long way, at least for me. I really appreciate that sort of stuff. That's good. You mentioned your brother. Yeah. Are we going to see him get back in a ring anytime? No, you know, he um, initially I was supposed to fight in April for this title, and I was a little bummed out that it got pushed back because it's a fight I've been waiting for. But then he had to write the MCAT because he wants to become a doctor. So okay. it worked out really well for us. Uh, you know, he, he wrote the, the the big, massive, like, seven, eight-hour exam and then had the last couple of weeks to train really hard with me and, and uh, help, you know, get everything just, just on point. And then he was able to come to Europe with me and not be stressed about studying because he's been over there a couple times with me. And we're on va- we're not on vacation, but we're over there semi-vacation um, yeah. after the fight. And he's studying away the whole time. And, um, yeah, he's not getting back in the ring. He's he's going to be doing his, uh, his doctor thing. Um, I have my other brother who's seven years younger than me who never comes to the events with me. But, you know, he's amateur boxer. And uh, I... Uh, yeah, I'm really excited for for him. I mean, he has more fights than I do now, and um, you know he has so much so much potential. I, I hate sparring with him. He's like my <laughs> the scariest guy to spar with. We only box, but yeah. I, I just have to be so on point, and he hits so hard. And um, yeah, I mean it's all what you want to do in life. You know, he's doing his pilot's license and stuff. If he decides to do that and stop fighting, I would be like, oh, you know, it doesn't matter to me. But um, it's really fun to have somebody else in the family who's who has the potential to, to go after whatever he wants, whether it's boxing or MMA. If, if he does either uh, full-time and really commits to it, uh, I think it would be scarier for everybody else. So, Where is he training then? He just moved back home a month ago, actually, which, again, for me was fantastic, too. He was over in uh, in Toronto training with um, initially with Lennox Lewis's uh, old amateur coach. And then, unfortunately, he passed, passed on, and uh, the, the guy's son took over. So Jay was over there for a couple of years and learned a lot, and I saw a big progression in his uh, in his style and his uh, his defense actually. Um, and then he came back here, which is great for me because it means now I have a running buddy. Um, you know, I, don't, I run by myself every day, and I don't mind it. I actually really thrive running by myself, but uh, having somebody else there who who I know can keep up with me and uh, who's really close to me, it's great for me. And then. I have somebody to hold pads for me and somebody to train with. And yeah, just since he's been back, we just go to the gym every day together, just just doing silly stuff right now, just trying to trying to uh, improve our muscle ups. So you know, it's just <laughs> it's not nothing that's going to happen that's going to help us much in the fight. But it's fun after years and years or like oh decades of uh, doing a lot of training on my own, uh, having somebody back home to train with every day. It's uh, it's exciting. It's really neat. You got a, a tight knit group, and yeah. two of them are family members and your brothers. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just that one of those things, you know, my brother and I, the other one, um, who doesn't doesn't fight anymore. I mean, we've been training, uh, we're only two years apart, so we've been training together since we were probably like five and seven or yeah. six and eight, whatever the, the age was when we started. So we knew each other's style so well. By the time we were 16, we'd be sparring, and, and I could tell what he was going to do before he'd even do it just because we'd had so much time, you know, training together. Um, so, so that was great for us just to being able to build up and keep our skill levels pretty close. And then, uh, and then the younger brother came along and, uh, it just makes, makes for a tough individual when you have two older brothers who are not that we beat on them, but we're always wrestling and yeah, it just, it just went a long way. So eventually at, at some point, I don't know what, what age he was, you know, 16, 17, 18, where they get bigger and stronger than you and you're going, uh Oh, yeah. so, and now he has 20 pounds on me. And yeah, just, it's always like, can we spare a little lighter? <laughs> a little lighter. I don't want to get hurt. And you're the oldest, right? I'm the oldest. And yeah, actually, before I fought for my second um, glory belt, the, the second one that I won, um, I was three weeks out from fighting and he actually came back from Toronto to help me finish off. And I was wearing one of my big winning headgears, you know, those ones that Pacquiao and Mayweather win. They have the big bar across there. You feel like you're invincible. Like, I can't get a black eye. Nobody can hurt me. Yeah. And uh, he threw an uppercut, this weird one that doesn't come up, but it comes into you. Yeah. And he hit hit the front of the bar so hard that it actually slid up, caught my caught me right there. Not a clean cut, like ripped on this weird, like almost uh, where they were joking, they're gonna have a Harry Potter scar, little <laughs> zigzag cut. And yeah, it hit me so hard that the bar actually went up and cut me up there three weeks out from the fight and and he was he was so scared for me he's like oh i'm so sorry i didn't mean to do that and i hope like you're you don't have to cancel your fight and yeah i'm fortunate here my uh, my wife's boss is uh is a ocular plastic surgeon so i just literally called the office went can you stitch me up i was stitched up within an hour with one of the best guys in the country but so it didn't play a factor but yeah i just i just always laugh about that one really <laughs> brought him back to help me and and just not knowing his own power hit me through this this headgear that's supposed to protect you in every instant, and it didn't. <laughs> yeah, I know a bunch of people that wear that winning headgear, and nothing ever happens to them. No, I mean that's what I thought the thing was supposed to com- like completely protect you from cuts and broken nose and black eyes. And you no, know, I guess you just have to get hard enough at hit hard enough at the wrong angle. Uh, that's what happened. And yeah. this is the younger one, right? Or- yeah, yeah, the okay. younger one. Yeah, who's a boxer. How, what size is he then? Because you and your 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 young your younger brother, not the youngest, you guys are kind of comparable in size. Yeah, my uh, my brother who's two years younger, Aaron, he's about the same height, maybe a little taller than me now, walks about ten pounds heavier than me. And then uh, Jacob, he's about the same height too, but he walks about 180, 185. And um, just ever since he was younger, just one of those guys that hits abnormally hard for his weight. You know, you just get those people, people you touch, you, you just feel the glove hit you and you're just like, no, that's not normal. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just one of those guys that you just, you hit pads and you're just like, that's, that's not normal for that weight class. Um, so yeah, it's, it's good to have somebody like that because you know, tell you what, when, like I sparred with him a few times before the fight and then, and then Kevin hits me in the fight and I'm like, well, <laughs> I can survive anything that's coming right now if I just took those other punches there. So, yeah, it's good. It's good that you got a guy that can check you too. Yeah, yeah. You need somebody. You need somebody, and that's something that I went through for a while. You know, before I went over and started sparring with Josh Johnson, and before I started reaching um, outside Victoria, I was going. Oh, it's hard to find guys who uh, 
who can really push me. There's only one guy in town. He's actually sitting right on uh, right on that poster behind you there, um, <laughs> Greg Greg Lamott on the right hand side. Yeah, we're one of the few guys in town that I can spar with who can who can push me enough where I'm like, okay, you know what? This is beneficial beneficial sparring. I don't I don't do sparring anymore that isn't beneficial. If the guy can't push me and um, I'm not getting high level sparring, um, I don't bother because honestly, with the high level sparring, even though it's harder, most of the guys can control stuff and I don't ever go away injured. Yeah. But if you go just a little bit down. You end up getting these weird, like elbows to your thigh, or you know, bruise, like elbows to the side of your head somehow, or you come out more injured with the lower level guys, which I think most people would recognize. So yeah, I try and stick to a very select group of people to spar with, and even though we're sparring harder, I never leave feeling like, oh, I have a concussion, or I got hit really hard, or I got a bloody nose. It's it's that that uh, respect and aspect of control that comes with a higher level. Yeah, you're not. Nobody's winging at a hundred percent, but no. everything's perfect though. At the same time, like it, it's a it's a fight situation, but not an actual fist fight. Exactly. Yeah, you just have to be able to get that. Like I, every time I go in sparring, I always get that little rush of nerves because I know I'm in for a hard sparring session. I know the pace is going to be fast. I know I'm going to get exhausted, but at the same time, I can walk out and not be going. Okay, you know, if I do this over the next, you know, three or four fights. Um, you know, a couple times a week, I'm not going to be getting a lot of damage from uh, from getting pounded away on, and um, that's a really nice thing to have. You know, every once in a while, you have to find somebody brand new, and, and you know, I'll go up to Nanaimo, or if somebody out of town comes in, and I'm like, oh, okay, you know, I'm going to spar with a brand new guy. That's great because you know it does give you that uh, situation that's a little more uh, realistic to the fight. You know, you have to adapt in the moment. Yeah. But for the most part, I've, I've had success in my in my uh, career just having three or four guys that I spar with. Um, they're always the same guys, and, and I know what to expect, and I know we can keep the damage low, and we can get out of this uh, this sport and this career without uh, without being uh, you know somebody who's drooling and <laughs> yeah. have head injuries and headaches, and I don't want any of that. And I've been fortunate so far that it's worked out really well for me. Here's a problem I run into with sparring guys that aren't as skilled. And I know that I can beat them up. I start sparring like an idiot. Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I do the, do the same thing. I mean, um, I don't spar like an idiot, but I try. I try goofy things. And I'm like, okay, yeah. well, my skill level's so high above this guy's. If I just spar normally, I'm either going to hurt him or I'm not going to get anything out of it. So to get anything out of it, I need to almost disadvantage myself. Whether I'm going to try a stance switch, whether I'm going to change my style up, I try something. And like you said, you you try that and you end up getting caught or hit and you're just going, well, normally that wouldn't have happened, but I was being a fool and trying something I shouldn't have and yeah. Yeah, I, I always tell people I'm trying things that I wouldn't normally try, but realistically it's just me being a dumbass and fighting <laughs> with my hands down or, or being stupid. Yeah, uh, it just it just happens, and you know if you're if you're going with somebody whose level's high, you're not going to try that kind of stuff because you know you're going to pay the price. So, yeah, I'm I'm a big believer in uh, establishing a good a good group of uh, training partners and and just riding all the way to the end with them of your career. You don't need to do uh, you know a bunch of adapting every time. You know, it, it's nice to to have guys who can change their style slightly. Like um, you know, Greg when we were sparring, he tried to put pressure on me every round. And like Kevin does, Kevin walks forward, he walks mm-hmm. forward, he walks forward. Um, and Greg's style, fortunately, is already kind of similar to that, but you know, he pushed even more. Um, and if you can have guys like I'm going to start uh, 
training with him this week to get him ready for his fight. So if I can look at his opponent and make adjustments in my style to emulate who he's fighting, that that's even more beneficial. So we just do that for each other and it works well. Okay, well, what is next for you then? You've achieved almost everything you've wanted to achieve in the sport. In my opinion, ch- chasing a K1 tile is a is a is below you at this point. Yeah. Um, what's next? I mean, I'm at finally at this point in my career with uh, with Bellator, who who honestly is I don't know if anybody pays better than Bellator. You know, I'm sort of maxing out the top of the sport. Uh, I'm getting paid what I want to get paid. Um, And I know a lot of fighters don't ever reach that point. They're always reaching further and further and looking at the guys. You know, there's always somebody above you, like McGregor or something, who's just making so much more. So for my sport, um, I'm finally getting paid. I'm finally happy. Um, I'm making a living. So I'm I'm just hoping to continue this uh, as long as I can. And then the only thing that I'm always contemplating is, is oh you know I have MMA in my contract with Bellator. Do I want to set the time aside and really take a six months or a year and and really focus on the groundwork? I've done it for three months and then went back to kickboxing and then did it again for three months and went back to kickboxing and didn't feel my skill level rise enough for where I felt confident um, that I would be able to jump in. So I was going okay. I'll need a good six six or nine months of uh, of groundwork and. Um, that's the only thing now left in my career where I'm kind of constantly like, okay, this is something that I might need to pursue. Um, you always have to ask yourself, you know, right. Am I going to be happy if I stop and I don't try it? And I honestly don't know right now. So it's amazing yeah. that you brought that up. Cause I just read an article, uh, where Joe Schilling was talking about how the opportunity for him to fight in kickboxing isn't there all the time, but he wants to compete and make money. So mm-hmm. he has to go the MMA route. Now I have heard you talk about MMA before, but I actually never thought you would do it. I would love to see it. Yeah, I mean it's it's something that, that definitely interests me. Uh, um, I've tried the groundwork. I don't love it, honestly. You know, I've always been a fan of of the stand up, and I like striking, and it's a passion of mine. And then when I get on the ground and somebody's on top of me, I I just like ah, I don't like being here. Um, and obviously I wouldn't try to go there in the fight, but you have to understand and, and be realistic that you will get taken down at some point in your career and you have to be able to get back up. Um, I, I love clench. I love clenching. Um, so, I mean, I'd like to get back to being able to do that in a fight. That's for sure. I, I miss that cause they don't allow that in kickboxing anymore. Yeah. Um, I like, I like throwing knees. I like doing elbow strikes. I like so many aspects of it. So. Yeah, it would just be, you know, getting really good at, uh, at scrambling and wrestling and, and knowing a few things on the ground and uh, and and just building up. So, yeah, it's like, it's like Joe said, you know, if I if I had uh, a guaranteed four fights a year in kickboxing, um, you know, I might just be 100% happy and just pursue that for the next few years. But at the moment, it's, uh, it's two fights a year with Bellator um, in the kickboxing ring. Uh, so... Yeah, it's not quite as much as I want, so I have two options. Option one, go to China and fight uh, kickboxing, which you know I'm 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 happy to do, but you don't always get the best treatment over there. I've never been over there, um, except for Hero Legends. Yeah, Hero Legends has has been a stellar. Uh, um, I go over. I feel the judging's fair. I feel they treat me well. I don't feel like there's any little backhanded things to try and uh, throw me off. Um, both the other promotions I've fought for, I just. I spent half the time arguing with them. They just wanted me to do the most ridiculous things. And you're just going, why am I even here? You know, okay, they pay me, but they don't pay greats. And 
and you're over there just just to fill in some time and get some experience and and keep fighting. But just to almost think that okay, if I have to put in extra time, I might as well just try some MMA and 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 uh, venture out to somewhere new. And that that's the only thing that I can really do now that'll build my name in a new way. You know, defending belts and having a few more fights. It's you know, I've, like you said, I've done everything I can do. Um, my name's not going to grow much more in the sport. So, yeah, maybe that's that's where I have to go if I want to build my name a little bit more in the martial arts world. It's interesting to me because it's dangerous. Yes. Well, that's that's the thing, too. You always want um, you always want a challenge. You know, I could have stopped long ago or I could have stuck somewhere a little bit safer. And, you know, the move to glory was, okay, I'm fighting top, top-notch guys. And then they, you know, beat, beat most of them. And then they were like, oh, okay, well, you know, do you want to fight Robin? And the guy's coming down from a heavier weight class he's just a beast at that weight class and and i took that fight and because i wanted the challenge and um you know fighting kevin ross and like oh you know i could fight other guys within the promotion they're not as well known but no i want i want the big name in the promotion and it's the same thing you know i'm just like oh you know what it's it's a possible challenge that i feel like you know it's a little outside my comfort zone that's for sure but something that uh, might end up pursuing so yeah i'll, I'll find out from bellator Hopefully in the next couple of weeks, uh, what the timeline is, and if they say, you know what, you're, we don't have anything for you till December, then I'm definitely back on the uh, the mats with the guys in town here, trying to up my ground game, which is really low. <laughs> so I got work to do. Yeah, I I can't see Bellator putting the the world kickboxing champion in an MMA fight against a bum. Yeah, like, I don't I don't know what uh, what the format would be for that. Um, you know, I recognize that. Uh, it's dangerous and then they wouldn't i know they wouldn't throw me to the wolves straight away yeah um you know even if it was just like oh okay you know what we're gonna put you in against a striker a good striker as opposed to you know somebody who's just strictly a groundwork guy um and you know your first fight we're gonna throw you against a, a pri- guy who's primarily a wrestler um you know that might not be the best way to to build up my uh, mma career but you're gonna end up fighting them at some point so you know, either way, I, I'm always up for a challenge. I like I like the challenges. Um, if you're not being challenged, then it's just it's hard to motivate yourself during training camp. You know, I've I've noticed that in the couple fights that I took where you're supposed to win, this is like, oh, this will be an easy fight for Gabriel, and I know in the back of my mind it should be an easy fight. Mm-hmm. And I'm one of the most motivated guys on a day to day basis in, in training camp. Like I don't need somebody there, but but you you have to push that extra bit. I don't like going to the track or going to the gym and having to dig really deep to to motivate myself but if you have somebody like kevin ross you're fighting you go to the gym and and you just you want to do it because you know you're going to be in for a hard fight you know you're fighting one of the best you're just like okay i go to the gym and i have to pull myself out of there because i want to keep training so did you and kevin leave on friendly terms after that fight i'm guessing you did because he's a nice guy and you're a nice guy He's, he's been a gentleman the whole time. Uh, I've never, never heard a bad. I've never heard him utter a bad word to anybody, and, and I like to think I haven't done that to anybody as well. Um, you know, he call. He did the most polite call out um, when I first came to Bellator. Just like, you know what, Gabriel's here. I've been wanting to fight him for years. You might as well fight the the baddest dog in uh, in the house, and uh, yeah, something like that. And and uh, when we were there, you know, shaking hands, chatting a little bit, and then after the fight in the ring, I mean, he was a gentleman. I understand how disappointing that would. That, that would be in and he had nothing but nice things to say and just congratulations and unfortunately i didn't get to see him after that uh we stuck around to watch the mma portion of the card and and he left uh, apparently quite early 
and then I didn't run into him again. But uh, yeah, I tried to just do a nice, a nice couple shoutouts for him on uh, social media once I got back. And yeah, I, I don't understand. I mean, if you're getting pay per view percentages and you're getting extra money by, you know, building up the fight, I understand. Okay, you're you're just doing that to make money. But aside from that. I just want to be respectful to my opponents because, you know, they put in so much time and so much work just as I did and there's no need to, to put them down. And then plus if you put somebody down and you lose, you just look like a fool. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> yeah, lots of guys do it. They just talk, 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 and then they lose and you're like, well, you deserve that. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just I like to be more of uh, the martial arts mindset when you're talking about your opponent. Just Just respect. You don't have a regular job, do you? No, no, I've been doing this for, um, I'm trying to think now, as a pro since 2009, and pretty much full-time as an amateur as well, um, which was started in 2006. I've never really been one of those guys that's been at the gym and been like, oh, I'm going to train twice twice a week or three times a week and fight. It's always been, at least since 2008, when I came back from Thailand. So yeah, 10 years now of training twice a day, and and then as a part-time thing, uh, I teach uh, children's martial arts. It's It's always just been children for me. Um, I started teaching kid, the kids program. I think I was 13 or 14 when I took over the uh, the, the child's program um, at, uh, at one of the gyms I was at. And ever since then, that's just sort of been my passion. If I only have five, six hours a week to dedicate to teaching, um, I want to I want to put it towards kids because I feel I make make a big difference in their life. And um, you know, if I can go and teach somebody who's who's going to train for a year or two and then disappear, or I can teach a child, like my retention rate for, for the kids program is crazy. I have so many, so many kids who have started with me at five, six, seven, and I still have them at 17, 18, 19. Um, and they're just such nice, polite, just well-behaved, not getting into trouble, apparently. Their parents just say that to me. They're like, we really appreciate your help and, and support and, and the role model that you've been for them. And it's just it's a, it's a great thing for me to be able to to help out people like that. Um, so yeah, that that's my part time job. Um, you know, just just five classes a week. Um, the kids range from I just teach at one of the rec centers um, in town. I've been doing that program since I was about sixteen, and I like that one because the kids can come in. They can come once a week. It doesn't cost much for the parents to to show up. They're not committing thousands of dollars a year in a full time martial arts program. Um, so I. I can do those kids, and, and those are nice big, you know, classes of 20, 25. And then if the kids get serious, they can join my advanced program. And that one is just great, too, because then I have them two or three times a week, and, and they can stick with me until they're 17, 18, 19. Like some of the guys, they, uh, I stop seeing them when they go off and they leave town for college. But aside from that, they're they're with me all the way. So, yeah, I've been, uh, I've been fortunate that that – and the kickboxing, the two of them together, um, they work really well for me. I have enough energy to train twice a, twice a week, but I still make enough money that uh, I'm not needing to have a full-time job. So. Are you still doing seminars? I do seminars. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, I, I had a real, like, just so much response from seminars when I uh, first won the first glory belt. I was going around doing a bunch of them, and then it kind of, wasn't getting as much interest and then um over the last year or so i've picked up a few more um so i'd like to get some more now that i've won the, the bellator belt i feel like um i have a few new things that i've added in and i'm a big uh big advocate for defense and i noticed that a lot of the gyms don't drill defense and that's something that i really like doing when i go to gyms showing them how i drill defense and how important it is because if you if you spend 90 percent of your time striking and that's all you work 
you're going to be great at striking, but I feel like the most important thing to work is defense. Um, yes. That's something that I spend so much time in the gym um, drilling and making sure I'm comfortable with and making sure my eyesight's on point. And again, I think it's worked well for me because, um, you know, I have been knocked down a couple times, but never been knocked out and very rarely miss punches and very rarely get damaged. And it's all because of the, the drilling of the defense, I believe. So yeah, seminars, hopefully I'll get more, but yeah, it's a little quiet at the moment in, in that uh, aspect. I know last time we talked, you were going on like a kind of a tour almost. Like you had three or four different stops you were making. Yeah, uh, that was, I think, early. Yeah, early 2018. I think I did uh, a couple up northern BC, one in Alberta, and I go back to PEI at a gym uh, out there, Clinch. Um, yeah, I go over to their, their gym. I think I've been there four times, and they just love bringing me back out and. Um, yeah, I, I love going back to back to places. Like it's always fun going to a new gym, but going back is even better because I know some people. And uh, even though it, a seminar is a lot of time to instruct, you can still leave and be going, "Oh my gosh, all the things I didn't get to teach over that weekend." Like I wish I could go back and really build on it. So yeah, the repeat the repeat seminars are, are fantastic. Okay, I'm gonna ask you a question. I was having a, a conversation with a promoter this morning. And they let me know, well, they just kind of said that one of their guys, they have a fight card coming up in 37 days. And one of their guys hasn't been in the gym yet. So he's not Ooh. training. Oh, dang. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I understand after a fight, you take a week off. I'm not big on it. I like to go back in the Monday because then I can yeah. fix things that people see, right? Mm -hmm. But taking a week off, that's cool. But when you take six months off and you don't do anything, that's not a good. That's not a great idea. No, I have. So my mindset has changed dramatically since um, since I used to be an amateur. I was doing it exactly like you were doing, and I think I think it's a must for anybody who's building their skill level. I would fight. I would take a couple days off, and I would be back on Monday, Tuesday, depending on how how beat up I was. And I think that was really integral, really key in building the skill level. And like you said, uh, adjusting mistakes that you made in the fight right away. Um, people can be right on you, give you advice, and, and it's fresh in your mind. And um, I did that through pretty much my whole amateur and early pro career. I was always at the gym. And then I started, then the injury started piling up in about 2014. So I'd already been competing for about eight years and not really missing days. And yeah, the injuries are starting to pile up, and I was missing months of training just to let back injuries and neck injuries heal up so since 2014 i've changed my whole approach but i don't think you can get away with this until you feel like you've reached a really high skill level and everything's i feel like everything's almost ingrained in me now um, when i go back to the gym uh, after a fight i only spend i don't even i don't even really do kickboxing for a couple months after the fight Oh, wow. um, yeah, and I've been doing that since 2014. Um, number one, to give myself a break from the sport, and number two, or, so you're very passionate when your next training camp starts, but also to give my body a break from that repetition, which is which, which is just like punching and kicking and punching and kicking. Um, I try to just add new things, and like my brother and I, like I said earlier in the podcast, we've been doing um, muscle ups and lots of just trying to learn how to do planches and. Um, just so many things that we would never normally do that probably aren't that beneficial to, mm -hmm. to being in the ring, but just something to challenge your body in a new way. Um, and yeah, I've found that when I do that and I get back into my training camp, uh, my body lasts the whole training camp with no injuries. Um, like I think I did this last one with Kevin Ross, like we were talking 10 hard full weeks twice a day, um, except for Sundays. 
and Saturdays once. Um, but yeah, I went through and didn't have to miss one session based, uh, for any injuries. And, and I've had really bad injuries on my neck and back and knee, uh, knee recently where, um, I couldn't run and just taking that, that time time off, but still staying fit, still being at the gym every day or going for runs every day. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're talking about somebody who's not of super high level and they're coming in thinking they're going to be in shape in 37 days, yeah, uh, I think that's that's a pipe dream. You know, for myself, uh, for this last one, for Kevin, I went, okay, you know what? I, the, my last fight was in February, and I hadn't really trained much since uh, since February. So I took February most of February off after uh, March, April, and then I trained May, June, July for Kevin. So I went, you know what, I need a couple extra weeks to get my timing back on point, to get my conditioning back up. The first two weeks are almost like a progression phase for the training camp. And then I have eight hard weeks um, to really to really work, 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 you know, almost like a month to, to climb even further and then a month to peak out to really hit that top level. And I feel like for me, that that's enough. Um, I've heard Floyd say the same thing before. He's like, oh, you know, after, after fights, I just kind of, do fun stuff. I go for bike rides. I run, I'll, and then I get ready for a fight in six, seven weeks, like small training camps. And Jeez. I think if you can get your skill level high enough, and it's really ingrained in you, like you know, I've been doing it since I was six years old. Yeah, um, you can pick it up and and you know tweak everything and make it pretty on point in the in a relatively short period of time. But if anybody ever asks me what what should I do, I'm an amateur. I'm coming up. I'm like, you need to be training all the time. Yes. Don't take a month off after a fight don't don't take big gaps because you can lose so much skill in that amount of time um you know i noticed the same thing when i was trying jujitsu there you know i i did a month it was like oh, okay i'm learning next month feeling better third month feeling really good did a training camp for uh, kickboxing so i took a whole two months off came back was like wow i'm back to zero like uh, just i don't remember anything like these guys are just wiping the floor with me again uh so yeah, I, I I say it's um it's different depending on your skill level, the amount of time you've been doing it. But I only do that for myself now because I know I'm injury prone and I figured out a routine that works for me, so I can do a whole hard training camp without missing days. Um, but yeah, for uh, for anybody who's building their skill level, anybody who's still learning, anybody who wants to improve, um, you need to be in there constantly. Um, yeah. I always try to keep the schedule because if I get off the schedule, I get so far off the schedule that I don't know what's going on in life anymore. And I'll be watching friggin' Days of Our Lives with my wife in the afternoon or something stupid when I <laughs> having a timeline and a schedule is, is is fantastic. I mean, that's that's one of the key things that I found for myself. You know, I I have my runs in the morning and I have my training at night. And the only downside for me now is when I get to this point right now where I'm post-fight and I'm only training once a day for an hour, I feel like the laziest piece of garbage ever. I'm like, what am I doing with my life? Why am I not at the gym twice a day? So once you establish that routine, you're, like, you go on vacation and I can't not work out on my vacations. You know, I went to yeah. Hawaii with my wife and I have to go to the gym every day because if I don't, my body's just just freaking out. It's like, what are we doing here? You have to be working out every day. So that's the only downside, I think, <laughs> which isn't really much of a downside at the end of the day. Well, I can't see like you ever getting too far gone out of shape, even if you are laid up and hurt. I, I don't think I've ever seen you get out of shape to the point where, like, oh, shit, Gabriel's going to need a six-month camp to get back into shape here. Yeah. No, the only thing that changes for me if I'm injured 
it is my uh, my calorie intake drops substantially. I go from you know three or four thousand calories a day down to if I'm not doing a training day, I'm like, oh, I only need fifteen hundred calories a day. And you do that? Um, just... I don't even track it, but I just realize as oh. oh, I don't do it on purpose. It's just I sit down for a meal and I'm like, oh, I'm full, and I didn't train today. I'm full really fast, and then I don't want to eat again for another three four hours. Whereas if I'm in training camp, I eat a big meal and within 20, 30 minutes, I'm hungry again. So I just, I just listen to my body. People ask me about my diet all the time. They're like, well, you never look like you're out of shape. And I just go, no, I just listen to my body. I never ever, like I can't think of one time in the past decade, even if I go to a buffet where I eat past the point of being comfortable. Like, like I always say to uh, my brother when he was um, the younger one, when he, he used to like to eat a lot and we'd go out for dinner and he'd come back and feel terrible. Like, oh, I eat too much. And I, I basically go, if I can't run after a meal, if I can't go out okay, run and be comfortable, I'm, I've eaten too much. So that's just basically what I do all the time. And yeah, I never eat past the point of, of being, basically eat till you're satisfied and stop. You have to eat a lot more uh, throughout the day, like more times. But that's been my routine for the last 10 years. And and I'm always happy. I never, except for the week uh, out from a fight, I never feel like I'm hungry. I never feel like uh, like I've eaten too much. And I always feel like you know, right now on a snap of a finger, I could go out and work out. And it's a good feeling. So, throughout the week, I eat super clean up until about 6 p.m. on Friday. Oh yeah. And then I eat myself retarded from 6 p.m. <laughs> until about 8 p.m. And then I feel terrible Saturday. And then it's it's back right on like shakes and all that kind of nonsense, greens and stuff like that. But I give myself that two hour window on Friday to be, in lack of a better terms, a gluttonous piece of shit, <laughs> and eat, eat until I feel bad. I don't know why it just makes me feel better. Yeah, everybody has a different approach to that, and I've had a lot of people ask me, um, especially the parents of the kids I teach, like, "Oh, what what do you do for your diet?" And I just go, "You know what?" what? Um, if you really want to be serious about things, um, I find it's really easy not to have a cheat day. Um, and, and I do that as soon as I enter training camp, you know, some fighters will be like, Oh, okay, you know what? I'm going to give myself my Saturday cheat day. But I found whenever I do that, I give myself that one day and then the next day you want what you crave, what you, what you can't have. And the next day you crave and you're always looking forward to that day. Whereas if I just cut stuff out, I don't even think about it. I don't miss it after a week or two. Um, it's out of my system. Um, you know, I let myself after fights for a week or two, have some treats and stuff like that. And then I try and slip back into just, you know, just, just not worrying about having stuff because, um, I just don't think about it. And, and my, just my regular diet, I find things that I'm excited about, whether it's just like, Oh, it's blueberry season. I can just go and mow down on blueberries or, uh, whatever other my favorite foods are. That becomes the treat as opposed to worrying about the other stuff. So that's always been my advice for the parents when they come in and ask me like oh what should i do i'm just like you know what get a nice healthy routine don't have your cheat days and see if that works for you and if the cravings go away doesn't mean everybody needs to do that that's just what works for me so the other day i found myself getting fired up about a chicken breast and it was (laughs) so i got a a pack of five (laughs) chicken breasts and i marinated them in like greek salad dressing for 24 hours yeah and i was so excited to eat this chicken breast because normally i hate chicken I went so many years with just eating chicken breast at every meal that like the smell of it will repulse me at this point. <laughs> so I was so excited for this Greek chicken breast. And I'll tell you, it was fantastic. But yeah. 
That's the only time in my life I've ever been excited to eat a chicken breast. And you can take, I've noticed this from weight cutting in particular. You know, when we first started weight cutting, I swear that, I don't know if the science was just so far behind what it is now, but, but I remember researching the MMA fighters and them saying like, oh, I, for a whole week before, I only eat peanut butter and spinach. That's it. So I started that routine oh, no. early in, in my career. Oh, and I was just, by the time I would done, I hate spinach and I hate peanut butter. And, and, uh, yeah, now after a while, I just like, you know what, I'm just, just going to eat nice and clean, just normal stuff that I normally eat. Um, you know, I eat my chicken, I eat my, my salads, I eat other things, but, um, you know, it's just, it's just a matter of stuff like, like chicken breast, which becomes, you know, really repetitive and dull, just mixing it up and keeping everything healthy. And I can do my, my weight cuts and still love my food as opposed to some of the guys who sounds like they hate their weight cut food. Like it's the most miserable week ever. Well, <laughs> uh, with living in Saskatchewan now, we have a ton of family that lives here and most of our family are farmers. Okay. Yeah. So we get grass fed beef, mm-hmm. which is just about as good as a friggin' chicken breast, these things. But yeah. it's been way better now that I can eat cows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well just being uh, wherever everything's fresh i don't know if that's just me but but fresh food whether it's meat you know seafood we're on the west coast here so i'm not a big, big beef eater because i'm like, i don't even know i go to the store i don't even know where this beef's coming from yeah but i can go down to i can go down to the ocean and like, my brother goes down with uh with a couple people he know and he, he just gets fresh crab and yep. like, well, of course I'm going to eat the fresh crab, and I got I got my garden in the back, and I'm eating fresh fresh veggies, and you're just you're so much more excited, and it tastes so much better when stuff is fresh. So I would assume it's the same with beef, you know? Oh yeah, it's just it's yeah. Um, why it, wouldn't it be? Isn't it amazing the difference? I don't know if you grow carrots or anything like that in your garden, but if you take a store bought carrot and then pull a carrot out of your garden in the backyard, the taste difference is ridiculous. Oh, just everything. Yeah. I mean, just uh, some people going like, oh, I don't like kale. And I'm like, well, it's not quite the same. The kale is actually a lot better when you just snip it out of your garden or we have uh, so many cherry tomatoes popping up right now. And you go and get cherry tomato from the store and you're like, ah, it's kind of mediocre unless it's close by. And then you go and have them off there and you're like, oh, I finally understand why a tomato is is actually a fruit. It tastes like like a fruit. It's sweet as opposed to from the store where you're kind of like, oh, this doesn't doesn't have a nice flavor. It's not that great. Uh, yeah, I mean that's uh, sorry. Go ahead. I noticed it with broccoli too. Yeah, oh, yeah. Because we, I right, right now, I have these giant heads of broccoli that are sitting in my backyard that I'm gonna go out and pick as soon as I'm done with you on this thing. But the we normally just because it's cheaper because you get those big bags of broccoli from like uh, I don't know what you guys got there. I can't remember like Costco or the the superstore that's in Langford. Yeah. you can buy those giant bags of broccoli. Great. It's five dollars for like seven heads of broccoli in this thing, but it tastes like complete garbage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's another section that's actually something my wife is sort of specializing in right now. She's a she's a nurse and, and uh, has a, her own online site as well, where she's trying to get people uh, to come on board and and meet with her and just learn more about healthy lifestyle. Um, you know, as well as she she specializes in skincare, but she's going okay. You know, if you're you can be the healthiest person. Um, you know, eating your food, you can work out all the time, but if you're not putting in f- fresh, proper food, everything right down to your skin is is not going to look as good as it could or feel as good as it could. So, 
it just it's just been so great having uh, a garden in the back and if people can't have gardens you can find uh you know farmers markets and things like that as opposed to like you said costco where the nutritional value is going to be so much less from what you're eating and that goes a long way in fight sports or any sport just anybody who's working out right you want to go to the gym and you're fatigued like well what are you eating right now like check it out so we just mix it up yeah well, Gabriel, we are at the hour mark. I could go do this for another hour with you because it's been a fantastic time talking to you today. So let's 100% do it again. All right. Yeah, I have uh, some exciting news coming up actually uh, sort of outside my fight career in the fight world, um, something that I've been working on. So I'd love to get together and talk about that too. You let me know when you can drop that news and you're 100% on. Yeah, it's it's up it's up and running now. I just we're just in the process now of uh, it's, it's it's a new website that's going to be basically to bring everybody in combat sports together, allow them to communicate in a better way. And the guy who owns the uh, the website and brought me on board is a, actually a partial uh, owner. Um, asked me initially, like, would you come over and give me your thoughts? What do you want in this website? And the first thing I said was, you know, I had no ability to contact promoters when I first started this uh, this fight career. like, Wouldn't it be great if somebody could go on and be like, oh, okay, I'm in from Victoria, um, but I want to know who are the, all the promoters in Calgary. And I punch in something, and it's just like, oh, here are the promoters in Calgary. Or somebody moves to Victoria, and they want to find who can I spar with in Victoria. And you just punch in, okay, I'm looking for sparring partners between this weight class and this weight class uh, with this many fights in Victoria, and a list of people comes up. So it's been, he's been working on it for a year. I've been part of it for six months and they just launched it the other day and I'm hoping it takes off because it was something, if this was around during my fight career, it would have been amazing at the beginning. Okay. I talked to a guy a year ago, a, a year ago, I brought him on what was the Spice of Life podcast at the time. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's the same person. Uh, Ian Johnson is the guy in town here. He's, uh, he's a, a local guy here. And I think this idea is being tried a couple times because I mentioned it to Josh Johnson. He said, oh, yeah, I heard something about that a couple of years ago. Um, and he's just like, oh, it kind of fell by the wayside. The, the website didn't have all the functionality it should because we're not, we're not talking about um, any existing functionality in a website. We're talking about something that had to be designed from scratch. And when you design something from scratch in the IT world, man, we're talking big dollars. It's tough it's not business. Cheap. Yeah. yeah, it's a tough business. So, um, yeah, I got to put my two cents in well, more than that i got to put in a lot of a lot of suggestions and a lot of feedback and go right from the the initial phase when before the site had even been developed and sort of say what i thought would be really beneficial for the fighter and the promoter and how are we going to make this all work and um they just did an amazing job and you know it, it's not uh, a site where you can go on right now and jump on and there's tens of thousands of people that you can search for it's going to be just at that point right now where we're trying to build up all the 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 uh, profiles and once it once it hopefully gets going and, and it takes off and everybody's in there i'm just going man this would be amazing for me like you know i'm in toronto for the week and i have three or four days and i want to look up which gym's close to here or there or, or uh, who can i spar with and you know find a fighter who has uh 30 40 fights find all the guys over there and send them a private message and just be like oh can we meet for sparring and it just it would, it would change it would just make things so much easier. That's basically what we're trying to do: help the amateur fighter, um, you know, get their career started. Because it's not always easy getting getting your career going as an amateur fighter. You know? I like the idea behind this. It's fantastic. 
Yeah, I mean, when he first came to me, he just asked me, he's like, I know you're busy, I know you have a full-time fight career, you're teaching, do you have any time where you could meet with me for an hour or two and just give me your thoughts? Because I know we went through the struggle um, in my amateur career. I went to, got to the point where we weren't getting fights and my dad actually put on fight cards. He spent tens of thousands of dollars to put on fight cards and bring in opponents from around the world. And he didn't make his money back on those, on those things. You know, He had a few where he made money, he had a few where he lost a lot of money. Um, and it's just not realistic. Not every amateur fighter has a parent or, or, or a coach or a promoter that's going to put that time behind them. So we're hoping this will help those guys uh, connect with promoters, sparring partners. You can send fight challenges to other people and let them know you want to fight them. Like just so much cool functionality that never I've never known to exist before. So yeah, we'll get on hopefully one time and uh, uh, I'll take you through the site uh, and and talk about it and yeah can you I'm drop excited. the site name um don't let me i'm not gonna do it quite yet just okay. because the, the 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 site is up and running but we're we're doing the um the soft soft launch right now we don't want you know all of a sudden a, a thousand people going on and and realizing that oh we needed to tweak this or tweak that or the it guys didn't nail this section okay. so we want it perfect okay we want it perfect, and once it's perfect, and that should hopefully be in a week or two, um, it'll be up, it'll be running, people can register, and and I'm excited. Um, you know, I don't get excited about too much outside of my fight career, um, but that, that's my focus, right? It needs to be my focus, but but this is this is exciting for me because it's, again, a way for me to, like just like seminars, I love going and passing knowledge on. This is outside of, it's not really passing knowledge on, but it's it's helping people, and hopefully it'll help people not have to go through all the, the, the struggles that I went through for the first three or four years of my career. That's cool. All right. Yeah. Three questions before we get out of here. Three fan questions. I picked three of them out of the 50 that I got. Oh, okay. Okay. What is the, what was he got here? What is the piece of hardware I'm guessing belts that you're most proud of? Oh, that, that's a hard Well, I mean, the first one, the first glory belt with Amrani and the Bellator belt uh, with Kevin Ross. Those ones are basically tied. And that's not even coming down so much to the uh, to the actual belt. That's more about the opponents that I fought. And I guess having the belt there was, was, a, was a big perk. But fighting Mosab Amrani was a big stepping stone for me. Um, I'd known about him for a long time. He was demolishing guys um, right up until I fought him. Um, he was like the scariest guy in the featherweight division. So... Yeah, winning the glory belt and and fighting him in particular was massive. And then um, fighting Kevin Ross, as like you said, since the very beginning of the podcast, it's been talked about for ten years. Um, the Bellator belt is an amazing perk on top of it. But yeah, those two in particular are my favorites and most special to me now. Toughest fight? Yeah, Robin, Robin okay. Van Roosmal, and no, no question, it was it was just like. Fighting Mosab Amrani with an extra 20-30% power with, with a gas tank like mine. Um, I mean, I'd do it again fighting him, but I remember being in there being like, whoa, this, this is different. You know, I've fought guys the best in the world um, up until him, but yeah, that was, that was like a, a different beast right in there. And, and I would like to do it again, but I know it would be, uh, it'd be a different training camp prepping for him. I'd have to do things differently. I'd have to go in basically like an, a, I, my body would have to be iron. I yeah. would have to do hard, hard, mean training. I'd have to beat my body up far beyond what I've ever done to it to prep for him. So, yeah. Hey, last question. What is the one fight you you wish you could have back? 
Mm, man, I have two or three losses. My first one in um, in Bellator, I just I felt lazy and sloppy and my brain wasn't on point in the ring and I think if I would have done what I did this training camp and gone over to Europe two or three days earlier and got my sleep on point that would have been the difference because for that whole week or the whole three or four days before that fight I was uh, sleeping three or four hours a, a night uh, my brother and I would fall asleep at uh, at eight o'clock in the evening and wake up at one in the morning and um, yeah if I could go back and adjust my sleep um, and felt on point I would just I would have not been kicking myself. That was the first fight I've ever walked out of the ring and being, I just want to get back in the ring right now. I just said to them, to my brother, I'm like, I've never left the ring and wanted to get right back in and fight that guy again because I just felt like just so off. So they they come, you're never going to always feel great. And that was the first one where I just went, you know what? I, I didn't do this right. I didn't prep right the week of, Um, yeah. Well, we'll wrap this thing up for today. You're going to come back on. Guys, it's the Bellator Featherweight World Kickboxing Champion, Gabriel Varga. If you have not seen him fight, go over to YouTube. Pay attention to what's going on on the Paramount Network on TV. They show replays. This guy's one of the best kickboxers to ever jump into a squared circle. Gabriel, it was a real pleasure talking to you today. Uh, thanks for making the time. Don't hang up here quite yet. Uh, I'll talk right. to you for a couple seconds off the air. But, uh, guys, that's the final shot. Perfect. Thanks so much for having me.